Welcome back, guys. Episode two of Leading Leaders. I'm here with one of my personal favorite people. Uh, she is a very awesome leader. She is a motivated leader in my family's life in particularly. She's helped my, my family through a lot of things. And uh, I asked her to come on the show because I believe she has amazing information for y'all guys. So, we'll see. Melissa, how about you uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, my name's Melissa Hauk, and I'm a mother of four. I don't need to just stare at that or stare at you. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. That's weird, I'm staring at the camera. Yeah. Okay, uh, a mother of four. I was born and raised in Seminole, Oklahoma. Then uh, we got married, or I got married in 96 of September, and had our first baby in February of 99. And then we moved to Alaska for ministry purposes in May of 99, June, May. Um, and um, now we're back to Oklahoma, Seminole <laughs> of all places. Never thought I'd be back here, but here we are. And um, raise, raising our kids. Our three older boys are raising themselves because they're <laughs> out of school and all the things. And then we still have our daughter at home. And so um, that's just a little bit about me. That's awesome. I, I think it's funny because I even <laughs> talked about in the first episode how uh, how awesome it is how God moves because literally me and Michaela came to starting point looking for you know a family to get together and then literally y'all guys came at the same time. So y'all like, funny. like yeah, it was crazy how God worked. I don't really know how long y'all had been attending um, starting point. Like, um, now <clears throat> it will be almost three years. Oh, ours too. Like yeah. Easter it's, time was us. Yeah, it's almost. I'm telling you, we almost like started right. That at the is right so time. funny. Huh? All these, all these three years, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. I'm gonna start asking you some questions and just give okay. me the best answers that you got. Okay. No right or wrong. No. Nope. My opinion. <laughs> How do you differentiate between being called in an area of ministry and just serving in an area of ministry to be a servant? Oh. <laughs> Okay, I did not read these questions before we started, but um, how do I differentiate between being called in an area of ministry and just serving? Huh. Well, I think the difference to me would be um, if you're called, I think your passion is different. Um, if you're called, I think you put more into it. Um, you seek the Lord more. I mean, let's just say, and I just think that uh, if you're just serving, just serving is helping basically. And so I don't, I just think you do what is needed at the time, but you don't look ahead mm -hmm. in, in ministry, in where you're serving and where you're called. And so if you're called, I think you're just constantly looking how to be better, what I can do to make, you know, let's say youth, for instance, you know, like you have your Wednesday night youth service and you're like oh man that that was okay but what can we do next week to to improve and to yeah. make it more better but i think if you're just serving you're just there in the moment and then you're waiting for the next moment you're not really putting any thought processes to it you're not kind of you know, filling a void yeah you're yeah. i don't i don't feel like you're searching and um, looking for things to make whatever you're doing better and so that and that's be. to me that's where i feel like a lot of people find themselves is like 
because even like, and I'm not saying I don't, I definitely don't where I'm at now because God literally told me that this is where we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But uh, in other areas of my life and ministry, I've like, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely wanted to be in it. I was in it mm -hmm. when I was in it, but you always felt like there was that missing piece. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be for right now, mm -hmm. but is this really where God is actually calling me to be? For sure. For sure. And I love serving. I think, in my opinion, I love I love it just because I love helping people. I love helping to improve things and um, not just being like, okay, here's the food. This is what we're doing. Just get it out and be done, <laughs> clean it up and, you know, whatever. Or, you know, whatever it may be, how you serve. But I love serving people. Um, ministry is just so different when you're called yeah. versus just when you're helping. And so... Well, I don't know. We all know that God's called us to have a servant's heart anyway. Right, and, for sure. Uh, for me, for me being able to find where God's calling me, mm -hmm. I had to start by serving. Mm -hmm. And people and it's take humbling. it for granted. Yeah. It's very humbling, mm -hmm. especially if you feel like you're called to a certain point of ministry, like youth, let's say mm -hmm. youth, because this is you know your wheelhouse, and it used to be my wheelhouse. <laughs> um, I just feel like, yeah, you just... It's just a humbling thing to do. Nobody wants to clean a toilet. Nobody <laughs> wants to sweep a floor. Nobody wants to take out the trash. But that's what serving does when you're you're serving um, and helping. That's just part of it. I mean, it's crazy. Like yeah, you said, <clears throat> once it becomes your wheelhouse, once you're in your wheelhouse, it, to me it's not at a point of um, obligation right. anymore. It's, it's not, not a struggle. Like, oh, I got to do this. No, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, the trash got to go out, whatever. This is For normal. Sure. This mm -hmm. is this is where we're uh -huh. supposed to be at, you know. But some people, that's beneath them. Yeah, they think, oh, like if well, if I'm called to the ministry and I'm, you know, the head of whatever whatever department, then I'm not doing that. Yeah, I, that's what y'all are for, you know. Like, yeah, it, you should always. I feel like it's just a humbling, just a humbling but place to, me, to be. Like, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that I feel and the whole thing with this leading leaders is because <clears throat> I feel like if you're called to be my leader mm -hmm. leading is by example mm -hmm. that's the biggest oh, part of leadership mm -hmm. and if you can't show me how to lead mm -hmm. then you're not really my leader yeah you might hold a title and hold a position mm -hmm. but if you can't actually show me hey yeah you're doing this good but hey you might want to like tweak it around a little bit mm -hmm. like this or hey let me help you do this mm -hmm. you know and i think that's where people like you said, fall into that, well, that's beneath me. Mm -hmm. I, sh I don't need to do that. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just like seeing trash on the floor at the church, you know, in the sanctuary or, you know, if a toilet's clogged or anything. And if you don't stop and pick that up, it doesn't matter who you are. You, you don't have to even have a label on you. Yeah. But to me, that speaks volumes if you stop and notice and pick that up. Like, just, oh, that ain't mine. You know, a lot of people say, well, that's not mine. I see lots of water bottles, lots of coffee cups under the pews. I'm like, well, that ain't mine. I'm not picking it up. And it's like, listen, we're all called together. Yeah. Not so much called, but we're all in this together. And I just feel like it just speaks volumes to a person's character if, well, if I see you do something. It. Yeah, that's and, exactly and we're right. We're supposed to be leading our next <clears throat> generation up, right? Mm -hmm. And if our next generation sees us look Yep, no, nope, that's not mine. Yeah. I'm not doing uh -huh. that. What are they going to do? Which is what this generation does. Exactly. You know, they're, right. they're like, that, that's not mine. I'm not, I mean, my, yeah. my own daughter, I can attest to that. Well, yeah. that's not mine. Well, it doesn't matter. It, 
it needs to be done, so yeah. do it, you know. Basically, that's what I did. I agree. I've been doing yeah. the same thing with my kids, man. It's not, I, yeah. I understand that it's not yours, but uh-huh. I'm asking you to step that's up. That's right. Take care of it. That's right. Because you don't, you never know who's watching you mm-hmm. ever. So, how important is it to know the people that you are serving with? Oh, <laughs> I think there's a fine line. I think in ministry, and I don't know if this is one of the questions, but, um, it's hard. I used to, I didn't say this, but we used to youth pastor in Alaska and then we were pastors and then we served on the district level. And a lot of people told me uh, when we became pastors, don't make friends. Mm-hmm. And I get it because, you know, you have a church and you're trying to shepherd, <clears throat> you know, the flock and you, if you're too close to somebody, well then, you know, if you're telling them all the church's problems, well then that in turn becomes like a gossip session. And I just think that, um, I think you should have a relationship with them, but I temper on, I'm a private person (laughs) (laughs) and I don't like to tell a lot of my air, my dirty laundry, so to speak, because as I was talking to Michaela, your wife, you just can't trust people. Yeah. And so I think there's a fine line in having a friendship with the ones you're serving versus a more deeper relationship yeah. um, with those people. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't mean to not like go hang out or anything once in a while, but um, actually be on a. And it's kind of like what I said to my dad, is you know people and then you actually know people. Right. There's two, way two different mm-hmm. things. Um, There's big trust factors. Oh, with, very much so. With serving and ministry and all the things. I'm yeah. very guarded. But, mm. And I believe, uh, I was actually talking to uh, another one of our leaders about having biblical friends. Mm-hmm. Like what, it actually, what does that actually mean to have biblical friends? Well, mm-hmm. have somebody that you can actually confide in and not be able to worry about which mm-hmm. is so hard now mm-hmm. in our days to even find anybody it is because if, if people it's almost, talk it's almost mm. like if i'm not not talking to my wife how do i know that i can trust somebody right not to air out dirty laundry mm-hmm. and like you said i'm not going to gossip sometimes mm-hmm. you have to have somebody to be able to talk to mm-hmm. because other than going and taking it to god right you have to be able to, hey, man, like, this is really bothering mm-hmm. me. Can you talk to me about it? sad that it's gotten to that point with church because church should be a place where you can come and air your dirty laundry, so yeah. to speak, and to talk about the hard things of life, to get with your life groups or whatever and um, be able to be like, you guys, I'm really struggling with this. I really need prayer. Instead, we have people just, go and talk about it behind your back or, Oh, I can't believe that she has kids that are so unruly and like, yeah, like, Oh my goodness. I thought she was a Christian and oh my word, you know? And so I just feel like it's, it's a sad place to be with the church um, that you can't trust a hundred percent. And that's what like for me personally, what kills me is, is listening to people say, Oh, well, I can't believe you'd do that. You're a Christian. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Have you looked at yeah. God's disciples? Uh-huh. There right. were some rough people. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They were mm-hmm. with God. They walked with God. And mm-hmm. that 
to me, that's what a Christian is, is somebody who's trying to be Christ-like, mm-hmm. right? I'm not, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Well, no. hey, none Mm-mm. of us are going to be perfect. Mm-mm. But as long as I have that relationship with God and I'm <clears throat> living life the best that I can to follow His path, mm-hmm. like, it's crazy how people can judge somebody knowing that they have their own skeletons in their closet. Oh, and you see that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you who are pointing the finger, yeah. three are pointing back at you. It's the old saying. Like, I, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> yeah. Anyways, I don't know if I answered that, but. No, it, it, was, <laughs> it was good. Yeah, I liked it. All right. So, how do you learn to truly speak Jesus into somebody's life? as a worship leader, because I know you mm. are our worship leader. Mm-hmm. And this comes from, man, watching you on stage, like you can just see God's presence move through you. Mm. And like, how do you know when God's telling you to speak to somebody uh, while you're doing worship? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, when I know that God wants me to say something or the Holy Spirit, through, you know, um, I, I either am like going to throw up or pee my pants, or, and if I don't, I feel like I can't even get the words out in a song if I don't say what God is telling me to say. Because, you know, we all, and I say we all because we all question, is that you, Lord? Are you really telling me to do that? Or is that, you know, just my thoughts? Or just because I see somebody, um, Lord, are you sure that's you? Well, let's sing, let's, if she sings that song one more time, then I'll know it's you. Wait, if she does the bridge two more times, then Lord, I'll know it's you. You know, it's like, I just have that feeling, like that butterfly feeling in my stomach, but almost that I'm going to throw up if I don't get it out. And then I won't even be able to sing the song because the (laughs) Lord's like, I told you to (laughs) say whatever. And, um, I don't know. That's just how I roll. Yeah. Um, how the Holy Spirit talks to me through worship, and um, a lot of times, I mean, there's been times that I don't because I'm just like, eh, I just don't know. What if I get it wrong? Yeah. You know, like going and praying for somebody out in the congregation. You know, leaving the the stage and knowing that God has told me to pray for that person, but still, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know, Lord. Yeah. I don't know if that's really what, you know, the Lord's not going to tell us anything bad to do, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so you should always, you know, basically go with your gut. Um, it's just. I think I know, like just... one of my, my crazy things that I, like I struggle with personally is, uh, is it my place? Right. Right. Like, it mm-hmm. is. Am I overstepping? Right. By doing uh-huh. what? I feel like God's telling me to mm-hmm. say, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that goes with perfectly with youth. Sometimes I feel like God's like, "Hey, you need to say this," mm-hmm. and sometimes like I don't want to step on nobody's toes, right? You know, and uh, but then, then like, I you, I feel like we shouldn't even have to worry about that. Yeah, like if God's telling us, obviously He's telling us, sorry, for a reason mm-hmm. because somebody else isn't being obedient, yeah. or He knows that they're going to accept it better coming from you versus the youth pastor or another leader. Um, I just feel like God, obviously God knows all things. We don't, but (laughs) God does. And I just think sometimes, yeah, he'll over, he'll pass over the leaders. He'll pass over, Mm. you know, the people in charge and give you an opportunity to be like, 
I'm not saying you're not a leader. I'm just saying yeah. you um, give you an opportunity to speak life into somebody and to to be that help and be that voice know that, that time. they can open up mm-hmm. and tell you things that maybe they wouldn't tell you know a pastor or whatever. So right, and I'm a firm believer that uh, God knows who who needs to go talk to somebody. Like you said, he, oh, he's yeah. definitely calling somebody out. Oh yeah. Um, me, I'm not, you know, I got tattoos and stuff like that. So I can, I, I can too. easily go and talk to somebody that's covered in tattoos. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, it's mm-hmm. crazy that somebody coming into a church automatically is like, oh, well, who can I talk to? Mm-hmm. But there's still that edge, right? Coming mm-hmm. into the church. But if I'm going up, my, like, hey man, what's up? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, this guy has t- tattoos too. This right. guy's kind of rough around the edges too. Right. Or maybe I can talk to him. And, uh, but like you said, I, I'm a firm believer in God knows, hey, mm-hmm. you need to go talk to that mm-hmm. person because he's going to accept it from you. Well, and I never want to be, and I, I'll i be honest, which, not that I'm not honest, but, <laughs> you know, I never want to be that person where somebody comes into church and obviously their lifestyle is not up to standards of the church. Yeah. Um, they may be homeless or they may be covered in tattoos because let's face it, I know it's the norm these days, but used to yeah wasn't it, you were looked down upon when yeah. you you were covered in you know tattoos or whatever and I don't want to be that person that is like, oh, they stink or ooh, look at them yeah or ooh, they're not in my class or you know and I know and I you know being when I was younger, I may have done that a few times just because out of you know that's just how people were and (laughs) how people were treated and so then you mirror that because that's what you see and i never want to be that one that shuns the the needy yeah that shuns the one that needs you know god the most you know who am i yeah and so and it's crazy because uh i had a we had a guy come into the church so you know everybody else like after the fact, oh, did you smell him? No, I was actually praying with him. Like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't smell him at yes. all. And I, I'm a yes. firm believer that um, that God it gets in that as a mediator, right? Mm-hmm. It, so he takes out that, all mm-hmm. of that stuff that mm-hmm. you would, normal people would see as a, right. a disconnect factor mm-hmm. because, you know, hey, man, this guy needs me too. Right. More, more than More, yes, yes. And... Uh, so I, I, I'm a firm believer that God creates that median to where he can mm-hmm. you, you bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. But then you got, <laughs> you're judging that person. Well, you need it more than this person because the way you're <laughs> yeah. acting. But mm, neither here nor there. But yeah, I don't know. Okay, so here's another good one. Oh, this Wee. one is a mm. good question for you. Uh-huh. And uh, mm-hmm. I get some good insight. Yeah. Will my children be held to a higher standard because I am in ministry? And I say yes. <laughs> I just, that question really triggers me because had I known when we said yes, how my children were going to be um, looked on, looked upon, uh, judged, mm-hmm. uh, I probably would have said no. Yeah. Just because I just think that you're in that spotlight and, you know, pastors, kids, the PKs have this reputation 
God love them. And like they can't be human. Yeah. You know, I just feel like they're, they are held to a higher standard. And I think my kids, not my daughter so much, but my boys, <clears throat> my three older boys were held to more of a higher standard and they were, you know, in sports and, mm. you know, school and all that stuff. And they, they were knuckleheads. They, I'll, <laughs> I'm the first to tell you, to be honest, they were knuckleheads in middle school and high school. And they were not the example of a preacher's kid. <laughs> well, they were the label, the PKs. Yeah. They were totally that. They lived up <laughs> to that standard. But they, you know, I, I say it all the time. Me and my brother were raised in a single mom home. And my brother is is a drug addict, been in prison. He's trying to get his life together. But, um, and then there's me who I, you know, I'm married, have kids, um, go to church. Not that that's saying that I'm a saint, yeah. but we live two different lifestyles, but we were raised by the same mom. And I just think it's a choice that you, you know, you choose how you want to, your life to turn out. So if you were abused by your dad doesn't mean that you're going to be that you need to be an abuser when you grow up you've yeah. got to make a choice and to make a stand and i just think there have been multiple times um when we were in alaska how my kids were <clears throat> i don't like to use the word judged but that's just all that comes to mind uh, how they were judged well your parents are the pastors and they're acting like that you know yeah. Um, and so, yes, 100%, they, they will be held to a higher standard. Now, whether they live up to that or not, it's up to them. Unfortunately, our boys didn't really get to have a youth pastor. <clears throat> we had kids pastors, but we didn't ever have a youth pastor for my boys. And so I think that hurt a lot, mm -hmm. hurt me a lot, just because I feel like that was something that was a void in their life. Not to say that they would have been saints or not to say that, they wouldn't have gone through the struggles that they did, um, but I feel like if they had that another influence other than their parents, yeah. you know, because you're just like, oh, my parents, you know, nobody wants to listen to their parents <laughs> give them advice and or you know, so I I really feel that like that was the void and one probably one mistake um, that I wish I would have uh, been more aware about mm. early on. <clears throat> and you, you can't really consider it a mistake because I mean I know I know. Your, I know your boys and yeah they're all they're all good like they're not mm -hmm. they're none of them murderers are sitting in jail right. or doing none of that praise stuff. God so but. I mean I know I know all your your sons and they're all good mm -hmm. good boys so mm -hmm. you can't say it was really a mistake because it's the same thing that I I told my dad was. Uh, my mom and dad were telling me, man, I'm sorry that you had to go through some of the stuff that you went through growing up. Man, don't be sorry. Mm -hmm. That made me who I am. Mm -hmm. All all of the stuff that I had to go through, that I, I went through as a kid, mm -hmm. that made me who I was. Yeah. Who I am now. Like, mm -hmm. God couldn't use me like he used me now if I went through some of this. Right. Well, I, I, they're not bad kids by no means, but they're not serving God to their full yeah. capability. And so I just... That, I think that just hurts more, I think, just yeah. because I just feel like that that was a void in their walk and yeah. could have helped. Mm -hmm. I, and I completely understand that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All right. So I got another good question for you. And okay. the reason why 
me and my wife felt like this would be a really good question for you is because you had to go through it, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So is God calling me to relocate for his ministry? How did you and your husband know that God Oh, boy, do I have God? a great answer for this. I hope <laughs> Billy watches this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I grew up in church, in the Pentecostal Church of God, and um, then my mom remarried, and we moved to Arizona for two years. And then when we came back, it was my, the end of my fifth grade year in school, beginning of my sixth grade year um, after that summer. And I started attending the Baptist church here locally with my grandparents. And um, I was heavily involved, loved it, was so active, and I wouldn't trade my, Baptist, my first Baptist <laughs> days at all because it was just a great impact in my life. And I always was like, oh, I just, I would love to marry a youth pastor. It just looks so, you know, it just seems so dreamy and um, <laughs> just a great thing. But I didn't know, you know, the backstory or behind the scenes, what went on. I'm just looking, yeah. you know, the outside looking in and thought it would just all just be so cool to marry a youth <laughs> pastor. And uh, Billy and I met up and he was a youth pastor uh, right before we started dating and then we got married and he was, we continued to be the youth pastors and I didn't think anything. I thought, okay, this is the greatest thing ever. It was fun. It was, and then he gets a call. Hey, do you, would you like to come to Alaska to, you know, serve our youth department and be our youth pastors? And I was mad. I didn't see that part growing yeah. up. I didn't see that part where, you know, and, and it happened, but I didn't see it. We had my youth pastor from for a long time, and so I didn't see the part where God calls you somewhere else, yeah. and you have to pick up and move. I didn't, I didn't know that part of it, and so that really made me bitter. <clears throat> it really um, questioned a lot of things that I had given up for God, mm -hmm. so to speak. Selfish, I was selfish, <laughs> but. I was mad. I was not happy. We didn't talk about it for like three months. Billy approached me about it. I feel like God's calling us to Alaska. I'm like, no, he's not. I don't want to talk about this no more. I just had my first baby and all my family's here. And it was a February of 99. Talked a little bit about it. And every once in a while he'd bring it up. I'm like, no, I'm not ready to talk about it. I don't want to move. And that May, it was Mother's Day of all things, my first Mother's Day. I finally had to tell my family that we were moving because I knew, number one, he was the head of my household mm -hmm. and he felt like that was where God was calling. So when I married him, I took on his calling too. Yeah. A lot of people think that just because your spouse is called doesn't mean you're called, but actually a little bit, yeah, you are. Because how can your spouse be called and him serve to his full capacity if you're not behind him and serving with him yeah. and being called there too. And so um, I, we moved, I was just not happy, <laughs> just <laughs> be honest. And that August I came back to visit with Isaac, my son, and that was the time where you could still go down to the gate and wait until your plane got there. And then you tell your people goodbye and they, you know, you separate. And I got on the plane and I almost turned around and walked off the plane. I'm like, I don't want to go back. I don't, Alaska's not for me. I don't want to do this. And I hear, heard the Holy Spirit just say, do you want to raise your kids like you were raised? 
being single, divorced parents, all the things. And I'm like, no. And it was the hardest 18 years, 19 years of my life just um, being away. Now, did I think that God wasn't calling us? No. But I was mad about it because it was so far away <laughs> and a place that I did not like. I, we would go to visit there, and I'm just like, this place is so depressing. I don't want to live here. Visiting was great, but living there, no. And um, we lived there for 19 years, and it was, it was good for us. <clears throat> and I'm so glad we're not there now, but um, I have my best friend there. And um, Alaska was good to us, but we didn't want to retire there. And so um, relocating, yeah, it's a part of it, which I did not know. And it's not, it's not always fun at first, but God gives you little nuggets here and there to make you like, okay, Lord, I know you're in it. I know I, yeah. we had a great time there and made you know, great friends. And I felt like, I hope, I pray <laughs> that we had a huge impact on people's lives there. And um, I don't want to sound like, oh my gosh, it was the worst thing ever. Yes and no, yeah. <laughs> basically. And so, yeah, the relocating, it, had I known, had I known, I would have probably, mm, I don't know <laughs> so much if I would have wanted to marry a youth pastor so bad. <laughs> <You're> like, uh... <laughs> The outside look good. Yeah, it's and it's tough. It's hard on you. It's hard on your marriage. It's hard, not so much your kids, because my kids, you know, Isaac was three months old when we moved, so it wasn't like he didn't know anything different. Yeah. Uh, but it is it. hard on your marriage, I will say. If you're both not in it to win it, it's hard on your marriage. Yeah, and it was hard on our marriage for a little bit. Yeah. Just being real. <laughs> that's all I, all I can ask and we'll be married 28 years in September so <laughs> we stayed we stuck with it <laughs> okay so another uh, good one that I, I know that you'll have a good answer for oh I don't know <laughs> so why does it feel like some people want to see you as a leader fail hmm. but, and it, it's you know and also that that could be just you feeling that way. Mm -hmm. But why does it seem like that there are some people that are just there to watch the show, watch you fail mm -hmm. in what you're ministering? Well, I think jealousy plays a big part in that. Um, I, I mean, shame on you if you want to see somebody <laughs> fail. I mean, really. But I think jealousy plays a big part of that because some people, you know, well, let's say they were serving in a department and they were serving for a long time and they felt like, oh, maybe if, you know, one day I could be the kid's pastor, let's just yeah. take it there. Um, wow, I've been serving in the kid's department for, you know, over five years and I'm thinking one day I, I would like to be the, you know, the leader or whatever. And I think just, I think just jealousy plays a big part in every aspect of ministry. Yeah. Um, to see somebody fail, I think, I think if you're not real, which when I was a pastor's wife, oh, sorry, I keep touching that. <laughs> when I was a pastor's wife, I had our congregation wasn't huge; it was like forty people. But they said the one thing that we love you, about you as a pastor's wife is you're real. Mm -hmm. um, you don't come and put a fake smile on your face. You don't come and try to. You just are like it's you. And who you in. are yeah <laughs> my kids say i have rbf resting bible face but um, 
So they're like, we knew if you had had a bad Sunday morning with your kids, like, you know, there's always one kid. I always tell my kids, there's always one of you that is going to be in a bad mood on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter if we all went to bed in a happy mood. Somebody's <laughs> going to wake up in a bad mood and it's going to just throw your whole day off. Yeah. But you've got to, you know, lead worship. You've got to preach the message. You've got to, you know, greet the people and you've got to be spot on on all the things. And they said about the one thing I loved about you is you, you're real. You could, you could yeah. tell when you're having a bad day and you could tell when you weren't, you know, it's like, well, I mean, I don't want to be fake. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put on this front that, Oh, everything's great. How I love Jesus. I hate your guts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to do that. And so I think if you're real with your people that you're leading, they don't have a reason to think about you failing. Yeah. They don't have a reason to want you to fail Yeah. because you're being real to them. You're like, wow, their kids act like that too. Oh, wow. Their husband and their, they fight. Wow. You know, like yeah. so many people think just because you're a leader, like everything's hunky dory. Oh, we're care bears and rainbows. And you know, <laughs> everything's like, woo, your life is going great. No, yeah. we all have struggles. We all, it's, we're not perfect. And you said that at the beginning, we're, we're not perfect. Yeah. We should strive to be like Jesus and we should strive to be like more like him, but we're not perfect. And we yeah. do have the moments that it's when you're most successful that you can come out of it on the other side saying, look what God did. Yeah. God fixed my marriage. God fixed my children. God fixed my relationship with my friends or God fixed, you know? Yeah. So Which, and I, I love the Judas Smith said mm -hmm. it in one of his messages. He said, uh, we all got saved by grace, but now oh, yeah. that we're saved by grace, it's I, I got to fix it now, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. Right. It's crazy. Right. Because why would God save me mm -hmm. and not want to help me fix all my issues? Oh, for sure. And I still, I mean, I've been saved for over 30 years and I still try to fix my own problems. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it's like, God, you're not working fast enough. <laughs> I need it now. You know, I'm just like, Lord, where are you? Why, why, why? And. Um, so yes, I, we're human and we try to fix it and guess what? <laughs> Ain't going to get God. fixed. <laughs> that's all his timing anyways. You know, oh, absolutely. We, we always tried to rush things. And that's absolutely. And you can always look plan. back and yeah. say, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's <laughs> why. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how do you deal with spiritual heartbreak? Spiritual heartbreak. Hmm. Um, I guess an example that I could give for you. For me, one of my spiritual heartbreaks was uh, me and Michaela were being children's church pastors, doing everything that I thought was, oh, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing everything that mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do as a leader. And <coughs> then, boom, we had a miscarriage. Mm. And then we're like, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. God, we trust you. And then, boom, we had another one. Right? And we're like, right. what's going on? Right. Am I doing mm -hmm. something wrong? Is it me? Mm -hmm. Like, So what do you do or how do you get past that feeling of, God, what, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I can relate to your miscarriage story. I won't go into that. But um, one thing I have related to recently is when we moved back to Oklahoma before we moved I was seeking the Lord and um you know I think this is best for our family we don't want to retire here our kids are getting older 
And I am like, Lord, you know, you make the way. You pave the way. You work it all out. Well, he worked out every single thing you could imagine. Mm -hmm. Passports to traveling to bringing stuff down to, I mean, everything was like, wow, this is so God ordained, you know, yeah. like I know I've heard the Lord <laughs> and we get here to Oklahoma and my husband can't find a job for a whole year. Mm. And you're just like, where did I miss the mark? Like what in the world? Like mm. how in the world can you not find a job? McDonald's wouldn't hire him. He's overqualified, you know, like all yeah. these things. And I'm like, Lord, did we miss it? And in the five years that we've been here, I asked myself all the time, Lord, did we miss it? Like, did we miss that one thing, that one little piece of the puzzle that you hadn't placed? We just kind of jumped again, maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't, <clears throat> I don't believe that we did. I just think sometimes circumstances in life happen. Yeah. And um, it's how we deal with those and how we react to those. I think is our test of faith. Yeah. Um, and our walk in Christ. And um, so to tell you, to say spiritual heartbreak, I've had quite of those since I've moved back. <laughs> like, you know, and I throw up in God's face all the time about, Lord, I served you. I went to Alaska. I left my family. I did this, 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 this. And he says, like, yeah. <laughs> and? Like, what? I died for you. Right. And, um, okay, I'm sorry. I'm like, my life is not horrible by no means. There's always somebody worse off. Yeah. You can see. And back to your miscarriage, I, I mean, I don't understand it. I don't. I literally don't. When you can have three healthy babies, four healthy babies, and then boom, one's not, yeah. you know, coming. One's gone, one's, you know, I don't understand it. I'll never understand it. And that is a thing, too. I'm like, Lord, we do so much for you in your name. And, you know, it's back to that. But yeah. what, but to, when you've done it unto me, you've done it unto the least, you know, yeah. of these. And, um, and I just think it just, it's just life. We're not exempt from life because we're Christians. Yeah. We're on Life walk things, with Christ and yeah, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm just going to go frolic in the daisies and my life's going to be perfect. And, you know, but how can we, who's to say that us going through those things that we can't reach somebody, you know, yeah. speak life into somebody who's gone through those things, who yeah. isn't a Christian, Yeah, you know, how you can just like, because miscarriage used to not be talked about and it still mm -hmm. kind of is not talked about that I've realized when we had ours back in um, 2009 and you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the people that are like, Oh, I had one too. And like, I've known you for 10 years and I never knew this, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, type yeah. thing. Like it's not talked about. And I think why not? Well, it goes back into the, the, and it's nothing to be ashamed about. Right? No, it's, it's no. something that, that, you should never be ashamed of, mm -hmm. but people are scared that, oh, you're going to judge me yeah. if this happens. Well, we as female think, well, my body failed me. Yeah. My body's not capable of, you know, producing a healthy baby anymore or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But who's to say that God didn't, no, I'm not going to say he allowed it, but had, you know, that it happened and that God is like going to use that yeah. as a ministry tool. Yeah. 
for somebody else yeah, is who's going well, through And that. I'll say for the male perspective is one of the things now looking back on it that I didn't see in the time mm -hmm. is, dude, I shut myself off. Mm -hmm. I wasn't mm -hmm. talking to no, I wouldn't even talk to Michaela about it. Yeah. I don't want nothing to it do. It creates a wedge. Yeah. I don't mm -hmm. want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I could press on for men, mm -hmm. dude, if, if y'all are going through something like that, dude, talk mm -hmm. to your wife, dude. That's going to yes. be a complete game changer. Yeah. And you'll be able to be on a different level, mm -hmm. man. Because when you're trying to deal with it on your own, when it's a you relationship, mm -hmm. dude, it, it, you're going to fail. Yeah. I failed for four months. I sat there for four right. months doing in my own mm -hmm. like sadness and anger. But while your wife is sitting there doing the same thing. Yeah. But, but we're doing hurting more. Yeah. yeah. Hurting a little bit more because she's the one that had to go, yeah. you know, her body, so to yeah. speak. And so yeah, talk to each other. That's one thing that's one advice I would give as a married woman almost of twenty eight years is talk it out. I shut down for a long time through our marriage, and um, it did us no good. Yeah. I would just get mad and not talk for days, four <laughs> days. And I'm not even joking because I didn't want to talk through tears. I yeah. felt like I was defeated if I talked through tears. Like, okay, you got one on me. But yeah. it, I'm crying because it made me so mad, you know, whatever the situation was. That's why I'm in tears. It's not because like I'm heartbroken and yeah. I'm like, oh, you got me. Yeah, and so that is one thing, and I would say is just talk it out, like you said. But don't hold one it thing in. That men, men do it's not is healthy. They don't like to, uh, like you said, I don't want to talk through tears mm -hmm. because if I'm afraid that I'm going to break while uh -huh. I'm talking to you, uh -huh. I'd rather You're not weak. talk about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, now looking back at it, man, dude, that's a, that was the silliest mm -hmm. thing that I could have done mm -hmm. with me and Michaela because once I actually got to the place where i could talk to her about mm -hmm. stuff stuff dude stuff got so resolved so fast oh it wasn't absolutely funny. and i'm just like where was well, yeah, the like, first seven years of I? our marriage you know <laughs> yes i get it i so get it but i think a strong man is one who cries yeah in my eyes yeah that's just me i went and it goes back to you know men been raised in that john wayne mindset mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. If you cry, you ain't a man, That's which right. is silly. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't I don't think you're less of a man because you cry. <laughs> I think you're more of a man because you cry. <laughs> All right. So I got a final question for you. Oh, buddy. What advice would you give somebody who is just starting ministry or looking to get into ministry? Mm. You really want me to answer this? Yep. <laughs> I want your full answer from um, you, Melissa Halk answer, not ooh. take well, down. Oh. Well, looking to get into ministry. Don't be like me and think, oh, youth pastor, woo, I would love to marry a youth pastor. It looks like so much fun. Um, get into the nitty-gritty of it, I would say. Get in there and serve. Get in there and get behind the scenes. Get in there and learn what goes on because we just see the front. We don't see everything behind yeah. um, as far as what people go through, how they're, you know, how they um, 
how they react to things, um, how I, I just feel like get involved first before you ever <clears throat> think about getting like involved. Yeah. Um, know what's going on, know the ins and the outs first. Uh, because you, I don't want to say be guarded because I feel like that's just kind of cliche. Um, I just think that you do have to have a tough, you do have to have tough skin mm -hmm. because people will fail you when you think those people wouldn't fail you. Those are the first ones that will fail you. Mm -hmm. And I think if you just get down to the nitty gritty of it, um, get, I don't know, it's just a hard, <laughs> a hard question because I don't want to, I don't want to steer somebody away. Yeah from ministry if they really feel called I really don't but it is not well, it's not a game well it's not and it's not I mean it, you're we're on the outside a lot looking in people that are you know like say in the congregation or whatever oh I really feel like God's calling me to you know youth ministry or like we see the fun part of it like I yeah. saw the fun part of it I saw woo yay um, we don't see the heartache we don't see the late nights at praying for whoever. We don't see the time spent <clears throat> um, worrying about kids that come in because, you know, there's all kinds of kids that come in in a youth group who are hurting, who have horrible life, you know, lives at home. Um, even the ones that have great lives at home, they still struggle with things. Yeah. Um, and you see that more, I think. Uh, so I, I just feel like just get in involved and um really ask first mm -hmm. go to somebody go to one of the leaders and be like hey i think i'm you know i'm feeling called into the ministry what is your take on it what is the hard part of it what is you know because we just see the easy part yeah people on the outside just see the easy part and i think you need to know the hard part and not to say that that would steer somebody away from well, you know, being in it, but it's the same thing goes back to you saying if if you're truly called, uh -huh. even mm -hmm. the hard part, you're gonna be like, okay, uh -huh. that's just part of the territory, uh -huh. right? I, me personally, I would have never seen going into uh, youth ministry and sitting with a youth kid waiting for the cops to show up because their parents was gonna uh -huh. beat them, right? You know, right? Uh huh. Uh -huh. Chasing them outside their house with a weapon. Uh -huh. you know, I, I never would have pictured that. Yeah. Myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, once now looking back, I could never see myself doing something different. Right. And right. it's crazy because I made that stipulation mm -hmm. that I didn't want leadership, and God's like, "No, this is what I called you." Mm -hmm. So I agree with you one hundred percent that you definitely need to learn about the nitty-gritty and the hard part mm -hmm. of it but go in there knowing that if this is what god truly called you to do if this is where god truly placed mm -hmm. you at that that hard part he's still going to be walking with right you. he's going to see you through it yeah i know when we had a youth group back when we were here at serving at seminole we had one or two that were cutting themselves and you're just like where how did how did we not know this? Like, mm -hmm. we just thought everything was going great, you know, being youth pastors. And we had a big youth group. And 
and then you find out the hard things and yeah. you're just like what how do how do i how do i help that yeah i know nothing about that at the time mm -hmm. you know and you feel like a failure as a leader because you weren't maybe prayed up and you didn't know mm -hmm. but sometimes things just aren't you well, know meant I, for us to know at the moment well, and i will challenge you with yeah. stuff too oh like that's that's mm. facts mm -hmm. yeah it was pretty pretty eye-opening pretty eye-opening yeah so well i really appreciate you coming on and uh oh. i loved having you on oh I buddy some great, <laughs> great answers some hard questions hopefully uh, i answered them you answered them great ah. well, tune in <laughs> next time for episode three uh we'll have another great leader to fill yours with some good answers to the questions yeah